0: Let me review quickly and we're going to, we'll go on here. And we've been talking about what? This is a year of blessing. Every day is a day of blessing, but specifically this year. And if you, you know, I don't know if you can put that up there, that about what we declare, if you can find that you had it going up this morning, but this is a year of blessing. And uh, God's a God that restores and revives and renews his people but it's a year of blessing, and I I want you to understand that. So we've been teaching on blessing. The Jewish people understood the power of speaking and declaring a blessing. Amen. They've spoken a blessing, Jacob's blessing over Joseph's son Ephraim, which means fruitful, and Manasseh forgetting the past, and they've done it for generations. So when they pray and they speak a blessing over their children and their grandchildren and whoever, they're saying, forget the past. You've got a future, a future of bearing fruit. So it's a year of blessing and ministry opportunities, new direction, deliverance and reversal, restorations and healing. Wow. Restitution and rest and revival. That's what we're, we're believing God for. And, and he's a faithful God. So you need to expect to be blessed, but then you need to be, expect to be used as a blessing to other people. God has ordained the verbal blessing to counter the effects of the curse of sin caused by the fall. Through the new birth, we're all given a fresh start. Amen. And a new identity. To each and every one of us, Jesus gives us a new name, a new identity, and a new destiny. Each one of us has his own gifts and callings, so each name is different. Say, we're all different, but we're all blessed, and we all have a calling. God is always designed to work across generations. This This is so important, we understand that. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham, the first in God's family, was called to cover, bless, and protect his son, Isaac, Isaac was responsible to bless the next generation, and so on. That's the divine order of things. Each generation is to nourish and protect the following generations. That's such a good statement. Each generation is to nourish and protect the following generation. We said the pathway toward healing our generational wounds starts by recognizes, recognizing the things that have happened to us happened to us are not the last word on who we are. So you're here today, and you, you'd say, Pastor Mike, you don't know my past. I was an orphan, or I grew up with just one parent, or I didn't have any parents. Well, once you have Jesus Christ in your heart, you, you've got it made. So you have to forget your hurts and your disappointments and, and how maybe you didn't have the upbringing that you should have had or, or the parental guidance that you should have. You've got to for, forget about that and begin to seek God. God will take care of you. He'll bring people into your life to, to mentor you, to help you. Amen? We said that generational curses, and this is so important, don't exist because God punishes the children for the sins of their parents. What happens is that the sins of the parents are often picked up by the children through watching and observing the parents every day. So a lot of times the effects of sin gets passed down from generation to generation to generation. And when a parent has a sinful lifestyle, the children follow the same pattern. We said when you're born again, you come under a new bloodline. I should have an amen for that. When you give your heart to Jesus Christ, you come under a new bloodline. As we grow spiritually, we lose our old lifestyle and sinful behavior and break the curse from our natural family line. This becomes a seed of righteousness for our descendants. This generational blessing is much more powerful than the curse. See, we concentrate on the curse. Yeah, but we've been redeemed from the curse. Amen. Deuteronomy 7, 9 states that God will keep his covenant with us for a thousand generations. And God's word will not return void or empty. Amen. So you need to say this, and I want you to say it with me today. Say, I'm a righteous seed for every generational curse to end for my family. Amen. Isaiah 44, 3 says, I will pour water upon him who's thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon your descendants and my blessing upon your offspring. Mm-hmm. That's the promise. Amen. Micah, would you lift that heavy thing? I don't want to do it today. Don't tell me it's your birthday. It doesn't make any difference. Just, just set it right there. That's good. Thank you. Now, if I can get this in here. There we go. And if I can get it up here. I might, add, I might need some help. There we go. As you can tell. Oh, oh, come on. I'll be back in a minute. You just, there we go. Thank you. No, all I needed some sand and the waves. Jasmine, are you gonna go to the beach? Yeah. Boy, I need light though. I need somebody to hold a light in here. Today I wanna I wanna just I wanna cover something. Uh huh. That came out, I didn't even realize I was gonna say that. What's that what is this? It's a covering. And it's a natural covering, of course, to shade you from the sun and the, and the rain. And we're so geared because we're human beings that we everything we we see comes through the five physical senses. We're moved by what we see, what we hear, what we feel, by what we... Amen? But we need to understand that there's a spiritual realm. So I have a natural covering here. In, in the natural but i want you to know there's also a spiritual covering and and uh, this is what i want to look at and i want you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and we'll get we'll go get started with this i probably won't get through it all and we'll just pick up next week but what is a spiritual covering and we'll look at this, we're, we're, we're talking about blessings, About we've been talking about generational curses, and we're a seed of blessing, and how that curse has to stop. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it says, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the traditions just as I delivered them to you. But I want you to know, and look at verse 3, because this is our key scripture. But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. The head of a woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonors his head. Now look at verse 5, but every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered, dishonors her head, for that is one and the same as if her head were shaved. For if a woman is not covered, let her also be shorn, but it is shameful for a woman to be shorn or shaved, let her be covered. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God, but woman is the glory of man. For man is not from woman, but woman from man. Nor was man created for the woman, but woman for the man. For this reason... The woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the what? I always thought it's kind of unusual. You read stuff. You go through Scripture and you read things like that, and then you move on. But there's there's significance to this, this this Scripture and this statement. He says, but I want you, verse 3, to know that the head of every man is Christ, the head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. Now, listen, this is what I want you to understand. It's very simple. Every person needs a covering. Every person needs a covering. Christ himself is covered by God the Father. Men are covered by Christ and women are covered by men. The calling and gifts of men and women are equal, but their roles are different. Now listen, men. The role of the man is that of a protective covering. Covering. I'm going to be marrying a young couple. I wish they were here today. I gave them a They're not part of the church. They said, you've got to come to church some Sunday. They missed it. They should have been here today. The role of the man is that of a protective covering. So isn't that simple? Men, we called to protect our family, our wives, our children, our grandchildren. It's that simple. One of the major aspects of spiritual covering is to make a hedge or fence of protection around someone that we value and love. So you've got to understand, yes, the man has a responsibility to protect in the natural his family, which we would, would we not? Anyone would try to come against my family, I'd do everything within my means. To take them out. And wouldn't hesitate. But we we, we fail to realize that there's a spiritual realm. And we as men have a responsibility to guard, watch, and protect in the realm of the spirit. Because we, we need to realize sometimes our family gets out from under that covering. Why? Because the world the lust of the flesh you know uh, an unrenewed mind you know you're not doing things that you should know to be doing you're not tithing you're not giving offerings you're not doing alms you're 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 not in in a church on a consistent regular basis so you set yourself up to get out there for the enemy to come and attack you but see that's what the father does our heavenly father he protects us amen And we as natural fathers and grandfathers, we need to protect, we need to pray over our children. We need to pray over our grandchildren. If we see them doing doing squirrely things, then we need to take authority in the realm of the Spirit. Whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth is loosed in heaven. But you have to do that, men. But the sad thing is, if your father was a weak, wimpy, spiritual person, or not even a spiritual person, then how you as his son, how are you going to know what to do? You're not being trained. You're not being trained that you need to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. You don't understand you have authority as a child of God. We sang it today. That's a wonderful song. We need to sing that next week. We need to get that. I need to get that in me. That's good. But you have authority to, 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 to pray and speak a blessing and to bind and to loose the enemy over your, your loved ones. Verse 10 says, For this reason the woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Now I'm going to tell you what that's all about. This symbolized the fact that they were covered spiritually by male authority, which was in turn meant to be in submission to Christ. Without their spiritual covering, women were left unprotected and vulnerable to the attack of fallen angels. Now, we all know about, uh, you know, the angels came down and... and uh, Bred with women on the earth then and and if you if we've taught about that, you understand that but but look at it this way w- women are open and susceptible to be influenced by demonic activity if there's not a a, a spiritual authority in their life. Do you understand that true authority, true authority. Comes by submissiveness, and both men and women, husbands and wives, are called to learn that. Authority. Now, I, I do marriage and do marriage counseling now. In fact, this young man gave his heart to Christ the day, I, the second time I, I we talked, and she was already saved, but he gave his heart to Jesus. You know, there's some churches and preachers aren't open to marrying people outside their church. And you got to be led by the Spirit. With us, Brad and I both, Pastor Brad and I both, have have, have married people and, and counseled people and, and got them saved. But see, now a whole new thing opens up for them. And they're going to have to learn about what I'm talking about today. So true authority comes by submissiveness in both men and women, husbands and wives are called to learn it. Look at Proverbs 17, 6. If you're here today and you didn't have a, a father, a good role model, you know, I'm sorry you didn't. But you know what? When you give your heart to God and to Jesus, he'll always open a door. Somebody will come into your life to make a difference. I thought about that today, singing about fathers, uh, Lonnie Larue lost his dad was a week ago, last Friday, and his dad was a Methodist minister. His dad was <clears throat> worked in the oil rigs. I would I would classify. Where's Diane at? Was he kind of rough and tough in his early years? Early years, or the job that he did construction? That's not an easy thing, but. His Lonnie's dad was was older in life when he received Jesus. He was in a trailer. It's I read. I got online last night. Lonnie told me to look at the funeral home and posted it, um, his obituary. And he gave his heart to Jesus in 1969, listening to a Billy Graham on TV. And he and his got his wife. And I don't know how old Stan was when he did that, but he was older. And they started going to church. Well, he ended up becoming a Methodist minister. Went back to co- went to college and got his degree, and, and, and grew up. And this, and you, I got onto the. There was a music uh, that went with it, a video or whatever, online, and I listened. and It showed his life of what he did. It started with the construction. It showed him standing in the pulpit ministering, and and hunting and fishing, which was a big thing. And, I mean, I got I got choked up because all I could think about was the influence that Stan had on Lonnie. And Lonnie, Lonnie came to me early on when they started coming here. Diane started coming, and then Lonnie started coming. And he works. There's times he can't come. But how he was raised in a minister's home, and he watched people really do nasty things to his father i'm a blessed pastor because you don't do nasty things to me why because you know better (laughs) you don't mess with god's anointed but see there's people out there they don't understand they're ignorant of that. And so Lonnie grew up in a household. He watched people say things and do things. And and it, I think it probably caused Lonnie to kind of step back from the things of God and, and the church. And, and I've gotten to know Lonnie, and you've gotten to know Lonnie, and man, there's good things in Lonnie. And I watched that video, and I thought, my God, if, if only Stan, I could say to Stan, look how you influenced Lonnie. Lonnie, you know, some of you don't know Lonnie, but Lonnie can do about anything. And I, those kind of people just, I shake my head. You go fishing with Lonnie. I'm sitting there fishing, trying to catch. Does he catch fish? Did you get a little frustrated a little bit in the beginning? Has he showed you anything? Yeah. Are you catching fish? But he had a dad. He had a father. I got a thing about you. I don't, I don't know you that well. But you're a good man. You were a good father. Why? Because I look at him. Is he perfect? No. I'm not perfect, and you're not perfect. But you've influenced him. And then you look at the kids. We expect them to, to do much, do great things. But you've made, you've made deposits in, in, in your son, and I believe in your grandchildren. So we can expect good things. So a father's influence is so important. Amen? It's so important. I haven't even told you Proverbs 17, 6. It says, children's children are the crown of old men, and the glory of children is their father. The Living Bible says, an old man's grandchildren are his crowning glory. An old man's grandchildren are his crowning glory. A child's glory is his father. Many children are fatherless, and their fathers were also rejected by their fathers. How does this affect the women or the wives? What about women in our generation that these men are responsible for covering spiritually? What if you're a father and you have no idea? You were not taught, you were not influenced. You were standing up here today, all something about fathers. All you think about is your dad. How proud he would be of you or is of you. Amen? And proud of his grandkids and his family. You know? A father's influence. And you grew up in a preacher's household and it ain't easy, is it? No. And Micah said, Oh, it's not bad. It's all right, I guess. But women can grow up with with, with husbands that don't understand this and don't provide this, this spiritual covering. And much of the anger and bitterness that women experience is passed to the next generation as a result of no biblical spiritual covering. So women are bitter. The children are then left uncovered by their parents and will try to cover themselves. Now, what I'm giving you is, is directly from this author of the book. So I want you to understand that. This, this is what he wrote, and this is Revelation. It's so important. The children are then left uncovered by their parents and will try to cover themselves. Think back. Anybody in the Bible you know that tried to cover themselves? Dun, 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 dun. Come on. Thank you. Adam and Eve. They blew it, didn't they? Tried to cover themselves. Um children are left, it says they realize no one will protect them, so then they begin, now listen, they begin a lifelong task of protecting themselves or covering themselves. And how do they cover themselves? They can become very self-sufficient. They're going to do it themselves. And because of their feelings of worthlessness and shame, they have a difficult time trusting that a father in heaven loves them. And so what they'll do, they'll build their own protective covering and fence and think that's enough. Was it enough for Adam and Eve? Uh Uh-uh. Look at Ephesians 5. I'm almost done. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. We use this for marriage counseling. And let's let's see. Let's look down to... uh, Verse 27, says, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she should be holy and without blemish. Now look at verse 28. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their what? And he who loves his wife loves himself. No one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. See, so men, men cannot love their wives... There, it says here that to, they're to love their, their own wives as their own bodies. But men don't love themselves when they grow up with no spiritual covering. They don't understand that. And there's feelings of worthlessness and shame and they feel insignificant. So how can they love someone else when they can't even love themselves? They can't. And then you grow up and you have families that are just full of dysfunction. And that that dysfunctional behavior is passed down generation to generation unless someone gets born again, dad gets born again and saved, someone, mom gets saved, and they put a stop to it. They break that curse, and then they become a, a righteous seed for the next generation. But look around you, folks. Do you know anybody like that? There's a lot of people out there like that. And they need Jesus, don't they? Sure, they, they sure do. The signs of the end. Here's a sign of the end from Matthew twenty four twelve. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many will grow cold. We're talking about iniquity that's passed down generation to generation. We said iniquity is a bruise from the past that has festered and is now spoiling our purpose and destiny. When we're scarred and bruised by the baggage of a previous generation, our natural defense is to find some kind of covering to place over our wounds. We try to do it ourselves. Uncovered people often believe the lie that if they can stand on their own, their self-sufficiency will cover and protect them. Look at Isaiah 28. Let me see what time it is, like, because I don't want to go on if I got to. I'm going to stop there.